Nanmina in the morning. Ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome back to your favorite YouTube internet show, The Jersey Wall Podcast, brought to you by Content Cube. That's right, we've what? officially moved platforms. Uh, NSVSports.com was Kobe's number eight, but we are into the number 24 portion of our career now. Exactly. Content Cube, as you know from previous episodes that we've done on this channel, will be your home for content just like this, including the brand new edition of the Jersey Wall. Um, now, this with me, my roommate and best friend, Mina Gali. Thank you for coming back. Thank you for having me. It feels great to be back. For those of you who have never seen the show before, this is a soccer-exclusive podcast show that... Uh, was once just audio, but to think we were depriving <laughs> the world of my exquisite um, jersey collection, and I just our handsome good looks, if I may add. You know. Now we haven't done an episode of the show in a little over a year, uh, yeah. and we apologize for that. But some of you will know that, some of you will not. For the new viewers, you can consider this, I guess, episode one. Welcome of the Jersey Wall on Content Cube, the reboot. And you might be asking yourself, well, hold on. Nay, why are you back now? Footy's back, Mina. Yeah. And when Footy's back, exactly. so are we. We also don't have school right now, so we have time. Yeah, another <laughs> thing. <laughs> exactly. As recent university graduate has freed up some time, not to mention we're in quarantine, so what else is there to do but not create me. content? Hence Content Cube. Hence That's Fighting. Hence the Jersey Walls return. So, for all of you, welcome to the show. Uh, as I mentioned, I'm Nathan Santos, Mina Gali. Let's dive right into the content. Mina, footy's back. It is back. It feels great. Across, uh, f uh, Not necessarily all footy is back, but we have to start somewhere. Exactly. Germany took the first leap. The Bundesliga has returned. 64 days after. 64 no days, two months, and then some of no footy, which is torture for the footy fans around Horrible. the globe. Horrible. Um, we had to watch. How many classic games did you watch? Uh, I watched a lot. I mean, I felt like I was watching two a week. So uh, seeing that we've been in quarantine for about eight weeks, nine weeks, maybe. Yeah. Some exceptional math. Yeah. I have watched, yeah, I guess a few. Uh, and most of you will know watching classic matches is one thing. But when you get the live action, there's nothing quite like it. Exactly. Usually that's because of the atmosphere that a live game brings and the unpredictability. You there's no atmosphere happen. right now. But we'll nope. get to that in a second. Um the game that kicked us off 9.30 yesterday morning, Eastern Standard Time. Couldn't have gone better. Yeah, Dortmund versus Schalke, the mother of all derbies. Yep. What did you think, one, of the game, and two, more beyond just the content, like, beyond just the gameplay, what did you think of, you know, footy being back um, and, and Germany taking the first step? Well, obviously, aside from the game, it was a 4-0 smashing um, on, on Dortmund's part. Um, but I thought it was surprising to see how fit uh, the players were coming back. You know, Germany have been doing uh, small, small training sessions with uh, three or five in the group, uh, and I thought it. W I thought the chemistry wasn't going to be great. I thought um, Dortmund's high pressing, quick style wasn't gonna wasn't gonna suit them well after coming back for so long. Uh, so often you see when when players come back from preseason, it takes a couple match weeks to get back to fitness, and and I thought it would be you know 60, 70 minutes max, and we saw with someone like Jaden Sancho, star player, being on, starting on the bench. Uh, they kind of wanted to take things slow and, and, and bring him into the game against tired, quarantined legs. Uh, so I was actually surprised to see that uh, Dortmund were really were doing really well uh, in, in keeping the ball and in transitioning the ball well from defense into attack and uh, linking up the midfield really well. I thought uh, Julian Brandt did really well. Um, he was very creative in the game. Uh, obviously, Marco Royce is injured. 
Uh, like, I mean, you expect that from him? When's he not? Exactly. A fine right? addition to the wall I might add over my shoulder over here. But uh, a legend, Mr. Dortmund. But uh, yeah, also Mr. Injury. So, uh, I mean, it would, it would it's fitting that he would be injured after, you know, 64 days of trying to get back into fitness. But <laughs> clearly, clearly not enough. Um, and yeah, we did had have a few players uh, drop out because of injury and in, in, um, while they were warming up for games. So that's kind of expected. But um, I just didn't really like how there was no atmosphere. It kind of just doesn't really push you. And, and I imagine for Schalke, once they're 2-0 down, the heads kind of drop. And what do we do now? There's no fans. Right. And we talked about um, off camera. This was, you know, the, the importance of, of atmosphere, especially as it pertains to home games. Right. Of course. Now, this Dortmund is probably notorious for having one or one A or two of the most, at, you know, the highest atmospheric stadium in Europe with the big yellow wall. And the famous. And they played in front of no one. So maybe that's a bad example for uh, the importance of, of having fans there because they mm -hmm. were still able to just straight up outplay their opponents. Um, you're right. It looked like they had just better chemistry out there, right? And that it did. And to be honest, Dortmund are a better team than Schalke anyway, especially this season. So maybe yeah. we shouldn't read into it too much, but it's the first game back. They looked pretty good in terms of chemistry and playing style. Uh, and yeah, you're right. Their, their fitness held up for the most part. Erling Haaland, who scored, of course, the first goal back, because who else would who else? score? Uh, it had to be it, him. It was scripted. Yeah, it exactly. Now a goal every, what, 50-something minutes, which is unreal. Ridiculous for Ridiculous. a 19-year-old. Yeah. Who's? I mean, takes it in a stride, you know. Here. Yeah, well, it, you know, takes after his yeah. dad, uh, city legend. How was <laughs> his knee? <laughs> Doesn't matter. I was quite keen. Anyway, we were talking about this a little bit. The importance of of the atmosphere of the games. Right. Um, if this was a show, and we were talking about this more, when it's a home game uh, and you have all the fans there, it 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 adds a little something else. Maybe it didn't affect Dortmund that much, but if this was an away game and Schalke was up, Dortmund don't have the fans to, to back them. So if it's really just skill for skill, is that what, do you think that's what we can expect across not just Germany, but all of footy going forward? Well, I think it's going to be easier for teams that actually have something to play for to close out the season, whether that's, you know, teams pushing for a cup. Uh, so they kind of just put the league on a back burner a little bit or teams that that really need to win or to get into Europe or or just try and, and for example, in, in the Bundesliga, there actually is a title race and it's really, really close. So teams in the top, I don't know, four, six uh, in the Bundesliga will be playing um, with a lot of energy because they do have something to fight for. However, if you're mid table, you don't really have anywhere to go. You're not moving up, you're not moving down too much you kind of I, I feel like it would it's going to take a lot out of the atmosphere of the game mm -hmm. because they really don't have anything to play for and and not having the fans there in addition to that i think it's going to be detrimental to the atmosphere and, and the energy levels of the players yeah not to mention just touching on that we you know you could see it in in the gameplay like it's one thing for the players to be able to link up and have good chemistry but i thought especially watching the Bayern game that that just finished at the time they were recording mm -hmm. this you know they played an intense game, both teams did, but you could see the pace is, is slower and maybe it's due to a lack of fitness because they haven't played in a while and maybe as they get back sure. to form, that'll leave. But the energy, like, w you know, we shouldn't underestimate uh, the importance of a crowd as when it comes to, you know, energy late in the game because it seems that, you know, when the atmosphere is flat, even when there's fans there, we can expect a certain tempo of the game, but we know when the fans are jumping and singing, it just gives that extra push Absolutely. Uh, to the Union, players. Um, Union Berlin were only a goal behind in the 80th minute, and then you have, if you have home fans there, it, the, it was played at Union Berlin Stadium. 
um, if you have home fans there, maybe they push you on to, gra- to grab an equalizer or something, but mm. you, you just kind of see them fall back and then heads drop and all of a sudden it's 2-0 and, you know, close out the game. That's mm-hmm. it. Now, um, going forward, we know that a couple of leagues were already cancelled in this and then Germany came back. Do you think we'll use the league arm because obviously that was the biggest one to, to cancel the season. Do you think they did that prematurely or do you think it was smart on their part? Cause I know you and I had discussed maybe it isn't in everybody's best interest as much as we love footy and we want it to come back as soon as possible. Cause we could watch it every day. Maybe, you know, for the general population, it's not the best thing in the world to have it back so soon. No, I think, I think to be honest, um, France did the, did the right thing in, in canceling all sports until September. I think, um, because in order to come back, you, you're going to have to constantly test the players. You're going to have to constantly test the, the, the staff, the coaching staff, the kitchen staff, and, and try to make sure everyone's quarantined. And I think if you have to do all of that, sports aren't ready to come back. I think it's better to leave the, the COVID tests and, and all the, the facilities and the masks and everything for people that actually need it. And, and I don't think uh, something as luxurious as, as sports um, that necessarily deserves to be more important than, than you know everyday life, I think it's not worth the ri- risking one life. I think that's already too much. So sports can kind of be delayed and put on the back burner a little bit. I think it's much better to just kind of roll in, uh, you know, businesses coming back and, and people getting back to work rather than having to, you know, save some tests for the players to be tested and all the stuff to be tested. I think that's kind of selfish, but I mean, if it helps out a little bit mentally for people to have a, like a little mental break so that they can watch and, and you know, Obviously, for people like us who watch a lot of sports, it's been kind of really boring just having to sit at home. And, and obviously, we're in we're in a great position if that's what we're worried about. Um, but yeah, maybe if, if someone needed the, the little bit of a mental break, it, it might help. But as I say, I think it's a little bit premature, but we'll see how it goes. Uh, I know some leagues are, are looking to see how it's going to play out in Germany. And uh, we'll see how, how it goes from there, I think. Yeah, and um, can we talk about <laughs> how ridiculous some of the rules are for yeah. the condition for footy to come back. For those who don't know, they said the Bundesliga was like, okay, well, yes, it can come back. However, um, on the bench, the players are going to have to social distance, so they're going to have to sit, you know, X amount of feet apart. Um, and then we're going to, no no celebrations and team hugs. But, you know, footy is a contact sport. Right, and when you're marking really on set pieces, you know, th- they're all breathing on each other anyway. They're all going in the same change rooms together exactly people spit on the pitch you know as a defender how are you telling me i can't get close enough to my to to my man right and and if i'm sitting on the bench and you have me sit you know two meters away from the next person but i'm i'm coming into the game and there's 21 other guys on the field does it really even matter i mean there's no point really yeah i i have to agree i think it's silly because there's so many it's a contact sport right so either we're all in or we're not exactly and if we're gonna say okay well listen um, we're going to execute social distancing as best as we can, but we're still all going to play together on the same time. Like, what about, you know, tight tackles and when teams are pressing and you start to get closed down? Not to mention, set pieces, if we're know. testing the players, maybe it should be more frequent and then eliminate those rules, but then we're taking the, the risk of having the players taking more tests, which could be going to, to you know, spread out across the world. People who actually need it, you know. All right. Now, I'm a big believer that uh, sports, you know, are crucial to the economy right we of course right it all you have to do is look at the tv revenue and and all the all the people that sports clubs and employ right you you have staff you have cleaning ladies you have or cleaning staff in general 
uh, cooks, you have business people, you have people like uh, taking phone calls and all the people that in employees, managers, uh, agents, uh, the list is endless, right? And it's, yeah. it's all comp- it can't be anything but good for the economy. So I guess that's why, even though it seems like a luxury, it's important to come back, not to mention how many of the clubs are going to go under mm-hmm. if they're not playing because they get no TV revenue, so then they can't pay their player wages, right? Um, and for all the staff and, right. and, and, and so on and so on. When you have leagues like, not to mention, if we talk about, if we shift to, to France and how they did it, I think you're probably right. Like maybe it was best to cancel the season, but they appointed a champion. Mm-hmm. And then a league like the Dutch League, who also canceled the season, didn't appoint a champion. They just honored the current standings, both in each. However, in France, we're going to honor the current standings and award a champion. However, the clubs in the bottom three or two or whatever it is in France are getting immediately relegated. Well, that's a there's a whole lot of lost revenue there. Yep. Right? And, and which leads to a lot of lawsuits, because if the league's not over and, and mathematically you can still make it out of the relegation spots or someone else can mathematically win the league, then what are you even doing here? You can't just decide midway through because the league's only over when it's over. right? So would you rather be in favor for the leagues that are still to come? Because we can go into a huge you know, rabbit hole here about what each league specifically should do, whether or not if the champion, if the current rather leader is far enough ahead that it doesn't seem realistic that other teams will catch up, then maybe they should be awarded. However, we can't honor the current standings because teams like Manchester United, who might have a game in hand over a team like Sheffield, but Sheffield, if they were to play and win, could then take that spot in a Champions League place or a Europa League place. Or someone like Aston Villa. Right, I just mean in terms of the top of the yeah. table, just because they could, it's one thing to stay in the league. It's another thing to now play in another competition exactly. and then get the TV revenue from that as well. That helps tremendously in building a club, um, you know, and, and how much you can realistically achieve. Because as much as we love the Leicester City story, mm-hmm. not everyone could just win the league with, with almost no money, right? Of course, yeah. And and everything has to fall in place, right? Like it w- it was just it wasn't a fluke, but everything went well for Leicester that season, and and it's not going to happen for a lot of teams. And someone like Sheffield, who's been struggling, um, to kind of break the top four the whole entire season. I mean, they were in the top four, but then they dropped off, and that's bound to happen with smaller teams because due to inexperience or something like that, but or injuries. But, but they've been incredibly solid. And exactly. Right now, if we honored the current standings they have a game in hand and they would be deprived of that game and therefore, you know, h- tens of millions of more dollars. Exactly. I want to go through um, some leagues that are speculating coming back. The biggest is obviously the Premier League. We should probably start there. It's where the most money is. <laughs> right. What do you think um, should happen in the Premier League? Is it that it should come back? Should it wait for all this to blow over and then resume the season later this year? Like maybe after the summer? And then we'll talk about how that could affect other competitions like Champions League. Well, there's a lot of variables that go into it. And I think the best, you know, just to kind of gloss over it, and I think the best way to do it is to cancel the league. I think it's not worth coming back, risking a life or two. And I think England has the second most cases in the world. So um, it's really not worth it. And if if they're going to award, like, I'm the biggest Manchester United fan you're ever going to see, which means we both hate Liverpool with a burning passion. But if... If cancelling the league means give them the title, even though they haven't mathematically won it yet, but they are very far ahead of everyone else. Right. And it, it's completely different scenario than every every other league in Europe. If right. cancelling the league means giving them the title, then go for it. Because I don't think, I think it's 
giving someone a title is much better than having to play out the rest of the season and then whoops someone got sick what happens if one of the player dies one of the players die what happens if a you know, family member of one of the players member dies. Or, or just someone in england can't get a test because the players are being tested every week that it's not worth it and if you have to give someone a league for it then go for it i think we've been preparing ourselves for liverpool to win the league since i don't know since the league even started or yeah. probably you know, like december or at least since Klopp took over exactly right? right so it was gonna happen eventually and, and if it has to happen by them being awarded the title not actually winning it go for it. i'm never gonna let them live it down well and i'll say this as a as a city fan who is in second you know having right. won two of the last three or back to back I think the bigger injustice here isn't if we were to give Liverpool the title. It's it's for the rest of the table. Like that's where my biggest concern right. is because I don't like the easiest decision to make is give Liverpool the title cause right, because they're so far ahead. Right. So and it doesn't matter. Like realist, it's one thing if City had to catch up, they have to win all their games, but Liverpool also have to lose all their games. Of course. Which and they've won. They've lost like what one one game, which is absurd, right? Same as they did last season. So that the the bigger injustice for me is the the cases of the Sheffields and the and the and the Wolves who are trying to compete for other competitions and are you know probably their squads and at least the way they play are better than some of the traditional top 6 clubs at least for this season. And what are we going to do? We're just going to say, well, we'll just honor these standings across the board. There's a lot of lost revenue, as, you know, for the clubs at the bottom, not to mention. Of course. And again, it's Aston one thing. Villa can climb out of relegation. How are you going to make a decision based right. on that? Like, if you want to relegate the clubs who are really far down, even that, relegation's a big thing, man. Like, Of course, because you lose, I mean, um, finishing in, in the, finishing bottom, like absolutely lost rock bottom in the Premier League, I think you still get 90 million pounds. Right, which is more which than is you win. Massive. Which is more than you get for winning the, the Serie A. Yeah, or the, or the Champions League. Which is ridiculous. It's the TV revenue. So it's a revenue. big decision. And it's a big decision to cancel the season. And I think that's why they're so hesitant to do it. Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of money on the table. The advertisers, which is, for those of you who don't know, how everybody gets paid, right? That's why the prem is so big. That's why it attracts the top stars. Because it's just a, it's a snowball effect where they get more money, which attracts bigger players, which attracts more viewers, which attracts more advertisers because right. they want to pay and so on and so forth. Um and so the Premier League has a lot of money to offer. I he- and so if they cancel it, they'd have to reimburse like hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars, of which could really you know bankrupt a lot of clubs. Yeah, because a lot of clubs go into the transfer windows banking on the amount of revenue they're going to make from the TV revenue. And that's what happened to Leeds a few years ago, right? When, mm-hmm. when Leeds got relegated to the championship, we haven't seen them since. It's because they were banking on making a certain amount from, from TV money, which, it, which wasn't anywhere near what it is now. Um, and then they didn't get it, and then you know they they fell back, and they couldn't. They still haven't been able to recover. So someone like Norwich or someone who don't have rich owners, it's going to be really difficult to climb back up the championship if they don't get that money, and then they eventually have to get bankrupt. And not to mention, like I've heard this this is a possibility as well. If we're ignoring all the safety precautions and we're strictly honoring the footy, and we say, okay, what if we just cancel the season as is and we honor the current standings? However, we won't relegate anyone. Does that mean that you're not going to promote anyone either? Because that is super cruel right. to those who are, you know, especially in the championship, they play a lot of games. Yeah, it's around 46 games a season compared to the 38 in the Premier League. And what if they were well ahead, right? What if right. Leeds are top of the uh, top of the table and have almost 100 points? And then you're telling them, eh, sorry, you're actually going to have to play one more year in the championship. Exactly, and they've been pushing for promotion for the last three years. Right, which is ridiculous. So then what happens? Well, then we can make this argument. Okay, so let's say the Premier League says... 
okay, let's accept uh, the top two teams, or I guess we can do a playoff for the championship, how it usually right. is. Now the Prem will have 20, I guess you'd have 25, 22, yeah. 23, 25 teams in the yep. league, right? Because no one would, would, would get relegated, mm-hmm. which means that cha- the quality of the championship will now be worse because you're taking the best teams from the championship and putting them up. And then relegating five the year later. Right. And then you'd bring up the next ones who are not, you know, the best ones. And those teams will obviously be relegated because they weren't really good enough to be promoted anyway. So, you know, this might sound like a long-winded way of saying there's a lot of complications so we can understand the hesitance of of top league executives not wanting to pull the trigger and cancel the season or uh, or resume it right away because it seems like there's cons a lot of yeah. cons, no matter where you go. Exactly, right? uh, and uh, and of course, the, there's also the issue of player contracts. I mean, you, UEFA specifies that player contracts have to end by the 30th of June. So if you're looking to complete the season by the 30th of, of June, that's 92 games that need to be completed, and that's probably possible. If you can play three games a season, that's fine. But what happens if week, you're not rather? done? Or three games a week? Yeah. yeah. Uh, what happens if you're not done? And now players are are they free to go? Are they are are you free to sign players or? Like what happens, right? The season ends on the thirtieth of June, and then, let's say you're someone like Sheffield, and you have ten players, whose contract end, on June thirtieth, and then, are they free to go? Now you have no players, right? So yeah. it's, it's it's such a mess, and in player loan deals, player contracts, and um, that n- they're really difficult to get right. Negotiating contracts takes a lot of time, uh, so dealing with agents and everything. So if you do, let's say regular. Uh, we'll resume the season with regular testing and and sorry rest of the world but we need our athletes to be tested all the time so we're going to go forth with this what happens to a competition like the champions league Mm -hmm. and we can talk about europa league too but i really want to talk about the champions league because yeah right that's where the meat is you have someone like psg who advanced into the into the quarterfinals yeah the quarterfinals whose league is now canceled so now they don't get to practice week in week out nope if the Champions League, I've heard it's going to be resumed in late August, and they're going to try to just squeeze out the rest of the competition in two weeks. Right. Right? Well, hold on, because now, you know, you have teams who haven't played since March who are going to be playing for the first time together in the best competition in the world. Against the best teams. Against a team who might be p- playing every week still. Right. So they're in, in, form, in form. They have fitness, right? They, they have, have all these things. They have players, right? Like yeah, they have players who could be out of contracts. You have, t- you know... Uh, That'd be France, right? Because they haven't played. What if England right. hasn't come back yet? Or what if they're just coming back? What yeah, if, are yeah. you going to cancel? Like, there's so many problems. And the fact that there's an intertwined competition like the Champions League with the top teams of all these leagues around around Europe means that whatever you do affects the next season of the Champions League. Mm-hmm. Not to mention, you have bands and stuff. And I hate to touch on that as a City fan because right. of, you know... The band, but that means okay, we're gonna honor the current standings. So, except for City in the Prem, yeah, no matter even mess, if we right? resume the season, like, what are you gonna do at that point? Which is why I think to begin with, it the decision should have been made by UEFA, right? So you have people like um, Ajax, and then you have also the Belgian league declared a winner, but they canceled it. However, the winner was already like my, there was one game left, and they were I don't know like five points ahead, so they had already won the game, the the league, mm-hmm. um, and then. You have all these teams that are done, and then if leagues aren't done, then you have a mess of, as you said, intertwined countries and leagues that aren't all doing the same thing. So the decision, for me personally, should have been taken by UEFA from the beginning. Here's how you can determine um, 
as, as best as we as we think, determine who plays in the Champions League next year, and then make a decision on how the league goes for you. I think right. if they told the leagues, all the all the all the leagues in Europe that that compete for the Euro- for the Champions League or Europa League, um, here's what we think you should do, and then act accordingly to the rest of the league. So because then you wouldn't have this mess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it is I, what it is. I think you're right. Yeah, but the fact of the matter is that didn't happen. So now we're left with this problem that we're trying to break down for those viewers. And let's just say this. Usually this is a weekly podcast that breaks mm-hmm. down what's going on in the world of footy. This happens to be a COVID-related <laughs> episode where we're doing what we can to make sense of all this. Yep. Um, so we so forgive us for that. But as footy starts to resume, it looks like it might. At least the Bundesliga will. So we'll be bringing you more breakdowns on Bundesliga matches. Mm-hmm. And then let's see who follows suit, whether it be Syria. Syria is a whole other one where it's like one point that right. separates the top three, so you can't really appoint a champion, right? Absolutely not, no. Uh, even Bundesliga, it's close enough. I think it's, what is it, like two or three points? Yeah, it's six between first and third. There you go. All right, anything can happen. Anything can happen. So maybe in the next episode of the Jersey Wall, we'll make we'll we'll do a whole uh, breakdown. We'll do a mock Champions League draft with the current teams that are left and then break down who we think will win the rest of the Champions League. Right. Factoring Whenever that may in, come back. Yeah. Factoring in the lack of fitness, the lack of playing time, um, whether or not the players are still there because they might have run out of contract. Or moved to other clubs. Or There's so many problems, No bro. preseason. <laughs> like, if you start in August, that's usually when the leagues start, right? That's usually when the Premier right. League starts. And uh, you players have already been on preseason. Now there's no preseason. Now you're rolling into next season straight away. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you push back next season, and then you th- you'd have to push back the season following that, or cancel winter break. Who knows? It's it's a there's big so mess. Many problems. Yeah, so many problems. Anyway, um, we do want to get into some meaty footy stuff. So we'll let's let's put this pandemic on hold for mm-hmm. a second, and say, well, hold on. Isn't there usually a transfer window that opens up in June? Yes. Yes, there is. So let's talk about some of the transfers that may happen. Uh, we expect, based on the market crash of footy, that a lot of players will be sold for cheaper mm-hmm. because if the leagues are canceled, clubs will have to make revenue, right? right. So they're going to have to, one, offload contracts, right? But also make money to pay for the rest of the team's contracts and facilities and, and whatnot. So we can expect probably that this will be a wild summer of transfers. Yeah, with lots of loans because clubs can't afford players and right, especially for the for the lower tiered right. you know ones. But for the top tier teams who have you know billion billionaire owners, this is probably the best time to right. invest and and you know build a team. Yeah, they can exploit this. Right. So I'll start with this because you know right now this conversation a few months ago would have been who knows where the teams would have been right now if there was no pandemic in terms of standings. Uh, but in terms of player value, we can assume that it would have probably maintained, if mm-hmm. not increased, for most players right. going into the summer. Oh, plus the Euro. Oh, especially, so yeah, especially since there yeah. would have been a Euro. Since there would have so been a Euro. So prices tend to go up. <laughs> right. But now, that'll be pushed back by a year. So we mm-hmm. can actually talk about perhaps some more reasonably per, uh, priced transfers as this right. market continues to be more and more and more expensive. Um, you, as a Manchester United fan, have been rebuilding for many, many, many years now. Right. I would lots love of different to managers. Hear, yeah, with lots of different managers. I would love to hear your opinion, at least now, on you know Manchester United summer war chest and spending. How much money do you think for the players that you feel you need? Mm-hmm. Well, obviously, I think um, we are going to struggle a little bit 
uh, based on um, the TV revenue that doesn't come in. But being Manchester United and the brand that it is, we can probably exploit this situation like probably a l- very few clubs can. Um, even I think Barcelona is having a little bit of uh, financial trouble, but I digress. Um, I think we can continue business as usual. We can continue trying to, to sign players. And um, seeing that the last few signings have, have done quite well, um, I think that there is a there is a plan in place for the type of players we're trying to look for and, and the amount of prices that we're willing and willing to pay or not. Um, my issue with United is that they always take too long trying to negotiate a deal, whereas in the end, they immediately just end up paying um, what the what the original asking price was for, right? So you right. haggle for eight weeks <laughs> about trying to pay, you know, or trying not to pay 80 million for Harry Maguire, but then you end up actually doing it. Then you a end week up at the end of the yeah. window needing him and being needing like, and, and, and now and the other club has the leverage, right? Exactly. So the amount of time we take might not be helpful considering we don't know how long this transfer window is going to be. Maybe it's only a month, like the January transfer window tends to be. Um, but yeah. I do think and we can afford it will still open players. in June. Right. And when those players will be allowed to start playing, right? Maybe it'll only be at the end of their... Mm-hmm. you know season so maybe the league one transfer window is our, or the league or rather transfer window is already open right right technically i mean it probably won't come into effect until june but at least we know the players aren't going to be playing again until at the earliest august exactly and i think i mean having said that i think we can still pay enough money i think we can we can probably afford to pay that money and, and still be uh successful and still maintain you know i mean financially successful uh, i think what we're gonna have trouble doing is offloading players like we always do uh, our wage structure has been has been messed up yeah, for years. Nobody wants them. Exactly, and and they're severely overpaid. And now that has been decreased a little bit, but it's it's a one by one step. We saw Ander Herrera going because you know he was asking for a lot of money. But I mean, ha- it's having someone in the dressing room like Alexis Sanchez who does nothing gets paid you know five hundred four hundred k a week, and then Ander Herrera comes in who's one of the most integral players of the midfield back then, coming and asking for more money. You can see where he's coming from, but thankfully the club didn't overpay and we just decided to offload him and that's going to need to happen a lot more um but it's it's a it's a very slow progress um situation because not a lot of clubs want to overpay for for the players that we have people like smalling jones um rojo that that need to be sold and and have needed to be sold for the last two or three years um but we couldn't do it because we couldn't offload them so i think that's going to be where our challenge is as it always is this might be the summer of uh small clubs who have a lot to offer in terms of players mm-hmm. getting paid you know undervalued you know amounts for their players because the top tier clubs know that they can underbid and it's like do take it or leave it but I know you need the cash you need the money yeah. so the leverage is with the big teams however as you said offloading players who are you know on a lot of money this might be an opportunity for small clubs to pick up some big names too exactly. on very cheap transfers because maybe the top clubs just want to clear them off the wage bill exactly. and try to yep. move forward. Right? And with someone like the wage bill of, of Man United, I mean, it's it's huge. I don't know what the exact number is, but it is pretty big. And we've taken steps to offload some of those people, you know, like Ashley Young, um, not really Sanchez for the time being, like we cleared off a percentage of it. Um, but now we have to face that issue when he comes back. Uh, but we cleared off Lukaku, who was making a lot of money. Um, we Even like Bruno Fernandes was brought in. And with the amount of money we were paying Ashley Young, we could pay someone like Bruno Fernandes who can actually benefit our team. So it's it's going in the right direction. Uh, you know, Chris Mulling was, uh, was on loan. Uh, I believe Phil Jones took a 25% wage cut because we didn't make the Champions League. So there's a lot of that going on and we're going to need to keep doing it. But 
as I said, it's it's going to be a slow process, and and we we kind of just need to be patient with it. Um, but I do think we can exploit the market in terms of players coming in. Yeah. Well, with that being said, um, let's get around to some names that that you want to bring in. Now we'll start mm-hmm. with this. They're the obvious names, and right. I would like for you to drop them just because they're the the obvious players mm-hmm. who United and most clubs, quite frankly, who are trying to compete would like to sign. Start with them, and then let's go into more realistic signings. Because maybe if you're a club like Dortmund, who's hurting a little bit, but you don't want to offload a player when you know within the next calendar year you can get an extra 40 mil for him, exactly. maybe you might be a little yeah. more you know, tentative to sell someone like that because if you think long-term, it might not be in your best interest. Please give us some of the names who might make Man United great again. Right. So uh, for me, Man United have three main issues, and we're going to touch up on all of them. Uh, so the first issue, we've been lacking a right winger for... I would say two or three years um, since we moved Valencia back to right back. It was we've been kind of struggling to find someone to replace him. We've played Juan Mata on the right, and that's not really the best option because mm-hmm. you need someone who's pacey and can hug the touchline, similar to what Rashford's been doing on the left. Um, and if you don't do that, your team's kind of shifted and it's really unbalanced. So um, the obvious fix, every, the name on everyone's tongue is James uh, Jaden Sancho. He's the most wanted young player in the world right now, other than Erling Haaland. One of our um, own. Yeah, one of your own because he pissed him off and now he doesn't want to come back to you guys. So. Yo, that's annoying. Uh, Let's just touch on that yeah. for a second here. The way that City's aca- City might as well not have an academy, right? right? Because you just produce unreal players. I mean, mind you, I say that, but we have the greatest young player <laughs> in the history of all time, young Phil Foden, the yeah, best. Of course. Right? Yeah. One of our own. But it's, it's one thing for – it's hard for top-tier clubs to integrate – talent who when you're trying to compete, to compete on yeah. everywhere because it's one thing like if Liverpool are going from a club who's kind of not really competing for anything and can integrate the players at that mm-hmm. youth system level and then propel them forward whereas if you're already competing for everything to then give an opportunity to at the time 17 year old Jane Sancho when you have somebody like you know Sterling who's already more proven and, and so on and so forth in the past few years where you're like listen dude I can't guarantee you much playing time right now because we have to be competing. So if you're not very good right now, then it's just it's gonna it's gonna harm the club more than anything. Right. Which is why City have 19 clubs that they also own, <laughs> right? <laughs> like the the City Network. However, like you like we were talking about the other day, it's not always the same playing in a different country, especially if it's outside of Europe's top five leagues, right? Exactly. So a club like City, who and we'll we'll touch on City a little later, who are producing. If you look at you know some great academy prospects, right. who they're just letting go, you're looking at City, Chelsea, and United being the top three talent producers in England. I think, right? To be honest. And United have a history of integration and right. at least are not really competing right now, so they have so more opportunity yep. to to bring in those players. But uh, for a club like City, they're just like, listen, I don't have the faith in you yet. And with Pep being how he is, he still thinks he has the the best hands for developing young talent. Which I, he's probably right, right, he's in terms right. of teaching them things. But he doesn't do it. But they need, well, it's not just that. It's that he doesn't then give them the opportunity to right. prove that they know it, right? Exactly. Except for at the U23 level, which it's is kind of useless yeah, to me, honestly. The, the U23 is very useless, but yeah. Um, but go on. But w- which is fair. Like, you know, he opened the door, like Jaden opened the door for uh, young talent to go abroad and, and try to, because the thing that you need the most when you're 17, 18 is just minutes. You need minutes somewhere. You need to play against men who are trying to compete for something, which is why the under-23s isn't that greatly because you have nothing to lose and you have nothing to win. Um, uh, so playing against actual men that, that are competing for something 
does a world of wonders for young players, and that's to, to be fair to him. That's why he did, and and uh, why he's he's been so successful. Um, so Do you think young players are too good nowadays? Because I think they're too good. Yeah. Like you have some really good, like exactly. eighteen to twenty-one year olds yep. who are just like redefining the sport almost. Where it's like, hold on, how are you? The not average necessarily age a seasoned prospect, but the average, yeah, exactly. Like usually, it's like okay, he's twenty-four. He's a young player who's unreal. Now he's like nineteen and unreal. <laughs> and you have guys who are in their prime, their physical and athletic prime, being in their mid-twenties, being looked at the back age of their career mm-hmm. because you could have. Somebody like Jane Sancho, who's 20, contributing to 30 goals in you know less competitions from you know in a league that's respected. I I don't know, man. I'm, I'm a little upset that that young players are so good now. Yeah, they're really they're really really good, and I think, I mean, credit goes to all the coaches at, at those clubs, you know, City, Chelsea, and, and United, for for generating the, those talent, and and not always do they break into the first team where the the academy is, but they always generate enough talent for other pl- for other teams, and and. And it really is um, bringing the average age <laughs> of, of the league down because everyone's faster now and more skillful and, and uh, very technical. It used to only be, oh, this kid's really quick. Just give him time to, to build some muscle and, and be uh, a little bit more athletic. But now they do that, but they already have the technical ability, like someone like Phil Foden. Right. Um, so, so yeah, peop- they are, they are I think, getting a lot better, which is good to see for, for the sport at least. Absolutely. Um, and, yeah. and hopefully that's always the progression that it goes. You know, it can only get better from here. Yeah, soon enough we'll have fourteen-year-olds tearing it up. Yeah, and we'll be like, Chola Shorts. I remember the name. Yeah. He's in the academy. He's sixteen now. <laughs> um, yeah. So going back to to transfers, I think Jaden is number one name on everyone's tongue, and I think that would he would cost uh, in excess of a hundred million. Um, Dortmund are known to be a selling club. They haven't. They didn't sell anyone last year, um, so they're in need to sell so they can buy some more players. Right. Um, that's kind of their whole business model, and it, to be fair, it works for them. Do you um, think that they might be uh, more tempted to sell, th- like their top prospect, one of two, one A and one B this season? Haaland, obviously, we don't think will go anywhere yet because he's only been there for you know six months. Uh, but for Sancho, do you think it's likely that Dortmund will be like it's gonna f- this pandemic will force their hand and they'll have to sell Sancho for yeah, like I so. 70, 80 mil as opposed to one hundred and twenty, which they would have got you know a couple months ago to be honest i think they're only going to sell them to certain clubs that can't afford the 100 plus i don't think they go less than 100 um to be honest i just i kind of feel like those clubs that they're looking to sell to are going to be able to afford it you know you're thinking of your cities your united's um even you know real madrid to an extent even your chelsea's right because yeah, they're Chelsea bad as well. they have they haven't been able to, no, s- have, to yeah. spend any money for they the have past money few in years the bank. so uh, i think i think they'd be able to to get the money that they want for them uh, especially someone who is such a hot commodity right now, I think clubs would be willing to pay for him as well, um, regardless of uh, of the of the price tag uh, being higher than what they would really like to pay for him. Um, but yeah, I think he's he's number one on the list. Obviously, there's also Jack Grealish and Musa Dembele have been uh, we've been linked to them a lot, and um, I do like those players. I would like to see them coming. Uh, I think they're more. Um, kind of realistic and achievable because I don't see a lot of teams going in for them. I think Musa Dembele you might have to fight a few teams for, um, but but I think they're way more achievable. Um, but going off the just the number that you know the obvious targets and and the ones that people are can't stop talking about. Um, I like if I like a few players. I think if we can't get a striker that is the number one or two on Solskjaer's list, I don't see the value in spending close to forty or fifty million to buy his plan B striker who isn't going to work out because we've mm-hmm. done that f- for the last six, seven years. 
and then we end up, you know, struggling to sell him and, and right. not knowing who to sell him to, and he doesn't work out, and then we have to. It's a, it's a whole new process, and you know, and doesn't end up scoring a lot of goals. So I think mm-hmm. trying to secure a uh, um, a permanent deal for someone like Odionagalo, who really people laughed at him when when we were linked to him in, in the January transfer window for a loan. Because you were but so desperate for a striker that you're like, exactly. dude, we'll take we the Watford we'll take guy. Exactly. You the know, guy who plays who's in been China. In China. Yeah. So, uh, not to disrespect the Chinese league, but it's obviously less... Right. Uh, it, it's not as good as some of the European leagues. Um, so, we were so desperate. We didn't have anyone. You were looking at kind of Jesse Lingard leading the line, and that's not that's not good at all. So, and to be fair to him, he came in. He's, he's had four goals in eight appearances, and I think that's, you know, that's better than anything you can ask for him at least he is an option that you can look to on the bench and he'll be happy to sit on the bench it's his dream club you know he kind of speaks like he's one of us mm-hmm. um and and you really believe it you know so many players come in and say oh it's been my dream to play for night but you can really you can really sense that in right. his voice and he'd be s- more than happy to 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 sit on the bench and he took a massive wage cut to, to come here and right um i think you can kind of go by another year having him on the bench and then trying trying to go between him, Martial and and someone like Mason Greenwood who can learn off some off Igalo who's been really good at holding the ball. Um even if he's not scoring, he's bringing in other players into the team play mm-hmm. and and I think we could do much worse than bring him in for the cheap price that he would be valued at. Now, I guess the final question for this week on United is, you know, obviously Solskjaer had a really good spell then a really bad spell and now kind of a, you know, an okay spell. Are you still under the impression that he's the long-term manager? Because I think if you are planning this rebuild, you kind of have to commit to a manager first. Because if you bring in another manager who, let's say, you know, has no use for the for obvi- you know, most clubs will have a use for someone like Jaden Sancho. But I mean, if you're gonna bring in somebody who might be a more seasoned manager who doesn't necessarily have the same playing style, then buying the players for um, Solskjaer's playing style might be you know another waste of money and set you back a few more years again. Yeah, it's it's a genuine concern, but I think while I while I don't think he's the man to take us to a Premier League, I don't think that will happen. I think he's going to be the man to to kind of steady the ship, and he's already done way more than enough in in doing that, um, changing the culture around the club. Uh, it, it was it got really really sour, as you know, under Mourinho, and even in Solskjaer's worst times, I don't think it got that bad um, in terms of the club atmosphere, and and he's really changed the the culture of of the, s- the spending. Right, because we used to spend for the biggest names, and now you see United try to and not spend as much money as we used to, and try mm-hmm. to pick and be smarter with the, with the picks for the transfer window. And I think it really is going somewhere. Um, so if he isn't the guy to take us to to leagues or, or trophies, I think he is the guy who's going to be who's going to leave it in a much better state for the next guy. And to be honest, when people say that he was doing garbage, it, this has been the worst United team for the last thirty years, right? Right. I don't think anyone way, comes like in. By the points. Statistically, squad-wise, it was the thinnest squad. I don't think anyone comes in and, and does much better than, than we are. I think we started mm-hmm. the season really struggling to break into the top 10, and now we're three points away from Champions League football. I think he's done really well with the tools that he's been given. I, I see a style that he wants to play. I see um, kind of at least a philosophy about him that fits with the with the model of the club. And if nothing else... He's gonna leave it in a much better place for the next side come in and, and push us to to be um to be champions or or at least win a few trophies here and there. Uh, what about Pogba? Like we were talking about earlier, offloading some big names. You know, do you think that he's one of the names you have to offload? And if so, how much do you think you could realistically get for him? 
uh, in in the climate now mm-hmm. ahead of this this window. Pogba is twenty six, twenty seven, and um, obviously I I think the club values him in a hundred million plus player. I don't think people are willing to pay that much, especially as we talked about the the COVID scenario and everything. I don't think clubs are even have the money to pay for him, and and you kind of look at him going. You say, yeah, he's Pogba's definitely going to go, but then you're like, where, where to? Right. No one can Who afford can him. Afford him? Right. And to be honest, I don't think people need him that much. You know? I think the best you could hope for with Pogba, if you're desperately trying to offload him, is a swap deal, where someone will have to give you a a good. Uh, I mean, to be honest, Pogba's kind of, of like you know really he's become pretty underrated, right? Yeah. Like people have really like he was really overrated for a while, but now everybody you know craps on him, and I don't think he's as bad as people no, give absolutely him credit not. for. He's he just still in form, he's one of the best midfielders in Europe. He just loses focus a lot. And if he's exactly. playing under someone who consistently is giving him, you know, it integrates him into the team properly and doesn't expect everything of him, but just like, dude, you know, kind of do your thing. Almost like he was at Juve, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like, dude, w- you're, we're surrounding you by better midfielders. Just do you. Have your flair, your dribbles. Just concentrate and don't mess up short passes, right? right. I think that's all they're really expecting for him. Do you think you could get a swap for him to a top tier club? Because someone like him isn't going to anybody who isn't competing, I don't think. Right? Like I don't think you yeah. can offer Pogba to a team like Dortmund and be no, like, yo, no, we'll give you, you to give him Pogba yeah. plus money for Sancho. I think they'd be like, no way, bro. Like Pogba would be like, I'm not going to Dortmund. Yeah, you're looking at, you know, I don't even think PSG are in the com- are in the conversation. I think you're looking at Juve, Barca. And Madrid, right? I I don't think we're gonna give him to anywhere else in England. Mm-hmm. And, and if it is PSG, kind of then the they're teams. they're probably gonna send you some money, but not. I mean, there's nobody who they could really send you no, alternatively. They're not gonna give us their best players, and those are right. the be- those are the players we kind of really want. Right. So I don't I don't I wouldn't swap them with any of the midfielders that um that I can get from some of the bigger teams because the the midfielders that they would be willing to to swap are not the ones that we want. Uh, and neither are the players in any of the positions, right? You Like the names I just listed. Uh, and I don't even think he'd accept a move to Atletico Madrid, I think, because we were talking about it. You know, you have Thomas Partey and Sal Niguez. I would love either of those guys. Like, I'll take the one you want, you don't want, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I would love either of those guys in, in the team. I think would they make a much more balanced midfield, but I don't think he's going to accept a move to Atletico Madrid. Right. So... I don't think a swap Even is though pol- they've played in more Champions Leagues than he has yeah. as of late, right? Exactly. And I, and I think mean, he right. realizes that. I think he realizes that for the first time since he's been at the club, he doesn't have bargaining power anymore, right? I think you're kind of in the situation where you go, we'll sell you if we get the money that we think you're worth or you sign a new contract. I think those are his only two options. Right. Because I don't think we're sending him on, or on loan to anywhere. just play out your contract. <laughs> exactly. Right? And, then and then move then a- anywhere you want mm-hmm. and then see where you go. But... Those are really the options, and I think um, I would love to keep him just to see how him and Bruno fit into a team. Um, yeah. That would I think that would be great uh, if you have someone who's really I think a so really too. really good CDM. Yeah, behind I think them. if like Solskjaer just came out and bought and backed Pogba and was uh, like assuming the league yeah. comes back and everything, and it's like, yo, trust me, he's gonna work with the mid with some midfield partners now yeah. who can cover him defensively and help him out offensively. And if I'm Pogba, I'm looking at this guy and I'm like. Damn, we we got a really good player here. So yeah. like, I want to play with him for the first time. I see someone who's close to my level that I can mm-hmm. kind of play with and play off and, and have a chemistry have chemistry with. So I think it could go either way. I think it's a fifty fifty for me. I, if you tell me if he's staying or going, I think it's a fifty fifty, and only Pogba really knows what he's gonna do. And and I would be honestly happy in either scenario. If he goes, I'm okay because the the circus behind Paul Pogba goes away. Um, he's only played six games this season and. 
people right. like Graham Sooners can't shut up about him because of his really? name. Yeah, six, seven games. That's it. That's crazy. It yeah. still feels like he played more in the first in all couple competitions, months. Right? Yeah. Wow. So it's, it's only been six, seven games and people can't stop talking about him. So if, if we offload him and, and the circus goes away and we can kind of focus uh, on, on everything but without Paul Pogba, that would be great. If he stays and we, we're better off for it, then, then I'm okay with that too. All right, cool. We'll end the show on City mm-hmm. uh, because City don't technically have a transfer ban, but it sure does feel that way, right? right? When you're at the level that City are, where they're competing for everything and you take away uh, Champions League football because they're banned from, for those who don't know, from Champions League for two seasons, it's almost like a deterrent. It's really a deterrent for all other top names really that City can hope yeah. to, to attract uh, because you're taking away the possibility of winning Champions League, which is a you know a huge factor when you're, when you're choosing to go to another yeah, team. Yeah. Um, now, City have will probably win some kind of appeal with the international arbitration of or sports. Or at least delay it. Where they'll know? Yeah, or where they'll probably get, maybe they can re- reduce it to one year, mm-hmm. where I don't think it'll affect as much because, especially when you move to England, you're not moving to England to guarantee Champions League football because, as we see, although there's a top six, it changes a lot. Yeah. Right, at least throughout the year. Maybe the top four end up being pretty similar most years, but, you know, it, I still think City are premier destination if they have you know even if they have a champions league ban because you're almost saying okay well come win everything there is to win in england for a few seasons that's exactly you can win up to six trophies in two years which you could do a lot worse going right to, going to other teams and then after that we'll have you fully integrated into the squad and we can go compete for for champions, for league. champions league yeah you know having been more rested because it's less games that you play throughout mm-hmm. the year yeah so you can get so you can do what chelsea did and chelsea a few years back didn't have champions league uh, because they finished tenth the, the year before, and and they really benefited and ended up winning thirty games out of thirty eight. Right. So you can really benefit from having a rest, and and especially since you've had so many injured players this season, mm-hmm. like Sane, you had you know um, Laporte, De Bruyne. No kidding. Giving them a week's rest before the next game, pff, that's scary. Yeah, it might break their own century. Yeah, that, <laughs> you know? that's a little bit scary. Uh, now it is a little disheartening, obviously, for any other City fans out there watching. For those who hate City, probably love it, right? Because you're like, yeah. yes. We eliminate that for now. Do you think City, assuming this year's Champions League resumes, and we'll do a breakdown of this afterwards, how much do you think they actually pose as a threat, still being up on Madrid right now, to leave the Champions League competition having won it? What do you think the likelihood of that is? Because that'd be hilarious. Likely. That'd I mean, be so Last funny. year's Come Champions, on, yeah, it would be hilarious. It'd be just like flipping <laughs> birds up. <laughs> All right, see you, UEFA. We'll see you in a couple, of years. In a couple of years. Walking yeah. out as back in black plays as explodes <laughs> behind us. Yeah, I mean, last year's champions are gone. Huh? Um, Liverpool. Um, uh, yeah, and, and Barcelona don't look as strong as they always do. Um, PSG, I mean, you can kind of go at PSG. They're bit notorious for bottling it. Right, and we have um, the upper hand on the on the big boys of the competition, you exactly. know, in, in terms of Real Madrid, because, you know, now we're playing second leg at home if it if it eventually comes back. Right. So there's a lot of big teams that, that seem to be going out of this competition this year. So you're kind of, your competition is mainly Juventus and PSG, and, and unless mm-hmm. there's a Cinderella story somewhere that we don't know about. But right. it is Bayern, very likely Bayern that... Bayern are probably a big yeah, one Yeah, Bayern too. Uh, as well. So it is very possible, and, and you, you can't overlook Man City as being one of the the threats in the Champions League and, and Pep Guardiola really really wants to win a Champions League it's been so long since he has won one since he was in Barcelona and, and that's the one thing that he needs to do with City to have won almost everything that you can win mm-hmm. right so uh, it is you guys still are a big threat in the Champions League yeah I think so too and I think without 
I don't even want to talk about Leroy Sané to be honest, because <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna hurt me physically. Um, I think City could still be, as I mentioned, a, a good destination for no reason other than if they shifted their attention. Right now, they've been trying to f- win four trophies, every, not including uh, Community Shield, right. right? But trying to win realistically everything there is to win in England, because mm-hmm. Pep really values his trophies, right? So you sh- there's no upset That's stories. That's how your judge does a manager, stuff. right? Right. You're like, dude, I'm gonna win everything that yeah. there is to win. You know, I think there are worse things in the world to deter players. Now, maybe you won't get your your Mbappes and stuff, but that always seemed unlikely anyway. In terms of where City need to improve, maybe not having to play in the Champions League set tells Phil Foden, "Yo, you're gonna play now as David Silva leaves because this contract's up. done. This is your, you know, step in, right? right? You're gonna fill that spot now. We don't, and then." Because City won't have the opportunity to sign someone who could fill that role, who isn't Phil, who's maybe had more minutes across Europe, right? We've seen uh, Awar, like Lyon have a, an unreal squad and have literally yeah. said like, dude, we're going to have to sell Talent a lot factory. of people. Yeah. And when you tell people that you're going to have to sell a lot of people, you lose a lot of leverage. Yeah. Which means a lot of clubs can come in with... Probably drop $10 million in, in your asking price right there. <laughs> right, like good bids and say, okay, listen, bro, here's what uh, you know we can offer you. Take it we or leave it. We know you need it. And they yeah. say, oh, damn, okay and then they, they take it, maybe City can still attract some top-tier talent uh, and win the Premier League, even if this one is cancelled or awarded to Liverpool. Yeah, and since I mean, since Pep came in, yeah, he signed a lot of players and spent a lot of money, but it's it's never been on, you know, the, the best of the best talent in the world. It's It's been players for around 50 to 60 million, and then, then he grows them, and they become... It, it's more about the, the team chemistry than anything else, and and you know you can really commend him for that, rather than spending big cash on the big the biggest talent. So mm-hmm. I don't think it would affect you that much. Uh, the biggest problem is is some talent leaving, and I'll let you touch up on that. Yeah. So someone like Kevin De Bruyne, who really really like someone like him needs to be fighting for the Champions League. Yeah, and I know you have an, you have thoughts on on what you guys should do about him. So talk to us yeah. about that. I mean, this is uh, it's bro. I it's honestly hard to talk about this right because <laughs> I. Because I can imagine, I don't think that all the players are necessary. Like it hurts, it really pisses me off. Because some players are like, "Yo, that's fine," because we're still going to compete in England, and that's the attention that I want to the squad. But when you have players who are saying, "I don't know if I really want to be playing here," then if we're not competing for Champions League, like, dude, screw you, man, right? Because go to another club. Not most other clubs don't have guaranteed Champions League football, right? There's a few that do, right? You got your Bayerns, you got your own Madrids, your you know, your 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 you know, winning. Uh, teams in all the leagues and City's usually one of that team right City hasn't missed Champions League in many many years yeah and now they're going to be potentially banned for an infraction on some stuff that whatever right like things that don't relate to the players specifically in the squad and they say okay maybe if you can reduce it to a one-year ban then I might think about it because you know every club will miss Champions League Mm -hmm. you know at least once but if we have to deal with many many players leaving Depending on the players, I'm some players I'd be saying, okay, go then. Go for it. Yeah. I don't want you. Right? If you don't want to be if you're not invested here, then I don't want you here. You're not good enough for me to care about. Right. Like yeah. screw you. Right. It'll, <laughs> if anything, it'll it'll open up some space in the squad and maybe we can build really good chemistry in the team because we don't have to worry about constantly changing the lineups, which we do almost every single All game. All the time. Right? Super important. Almost every game. However, when someone like Kevin De Bruyne, who's you know, one of the top five best players in the world, right. right? Top one, two best players in the Premier League says, listen, I might have to consider my future here. Hey, City, loan him. Ugh. Yeah, because it hurts, Dagger man. to the heart. It hurts a lot. Yep. 
And I would like to believe that he has more faith to the project than that, right? Because, you know, when, when he came, City, I think we bought him when we were like fourth in the in the league. Well, you, you bought him Pellegrini or someone. I right, think like Pellegrini we, was, was still was there. It was before Pep came. Right. So it was, we were finishing like And the only fourth. reason you finished fourth is because Pellegrini you announced said, Pep yeah, was coming exactly. and Pellegrini, Pellegrini was like, all right, well, right. why do I care? Screw it. <laughs> right. But that's what I mean, right? So now you're at the level where you're too big for the club. And I'll never tell Kev to piss off because, dude, like we've seen what he can do and how he can exactly. take control yeah, of a yeah. game. But if we if the ban is upheld and it's for two years, I maybe we sell him because he's 27. You can probably get a lot of money for him at a non-pandemic time, right? Mm-hmm. But I think the move would probably be for me anyway. I'd like to see him loaned out for a, you know a season or two. Uh, go go compete go with Real Madrid. Want, yeah. Go do whatever you want, right? But then you're coming back and you're gonna help us win something. Yeah. Having played your Champions League, maybe he wins, maybe he doesn't. I guess it's just not common practice to loan out the best players in the world. I don't think he would realistically say no to that. I think your main issue is convincing the club that he goes to that, oh, you're only getting him for two years, but So have your but success. But who wouldn't, who wouldn't take that, right? Like, yo, I'm giving you a Kevin De Bruyne for two years. Yeah, but okay. then they probably want to keep Thanks, him, right? Thanks, bro. You know? Yeah, no option. To, but that's what I mean, right? Imagine the damage that any club could do, a Barcelona, a Real Madrid, it, with, a, with a Kevin De Bruyne on their team mm-hmm. for two years. Oh, could you imagine that's what I'm saying, right? Like, a lot of teams yeah. could... Re- like, he could help a lot of teams. And outside of England. For sure. Screw you. No one in England is getting kept. Yeah, yeah. You can't you right? can't give him to anyone in England. Right. That would be detrimental and really stupid on... on and really, really, really stupid. That. Yeah. So, anyway. I think that's... Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens there amidst the pandemic. We'll bring you more content like this as the weeks go by. Um, maybe we can see, you know, whether or not leagues are progressed, that whether or not leagues are canceled, that can change things. If bans are upheld, if... You know, footy is delayed. There's so many variables yeah. right now that it's so hard we to... We don't really know what's what's going on. Yeah, <laughs> all of this is just speculative. Yeah. Um, and as the weeks go by, we'll continue to, you know, hopefully bring you content just like this, but hopefully we can break down a little more footy as it comes back. If it doesn't, then we'll just bring you transfers and other type things like this. Yeah, because if nothing else, reporters are really bored right now. <laughs> yeah, if anything else, <laughs> we can make up some transfer rumors. In the coming weeks, we'll have episodes with some familiar faces, uh, maybe some new ones. Maybe we'll do Zoom interviews. Uh, we'll break down Newcastle's rebuild. We can talk more about uh, valuations of players. Harry Kane. So on and so next. touch. Yeah, yep. Harry Kane's future. If he says, I don't want to stay at Tottenham just for the hell of it. I might know a club that can win you some trophies, <laughs> Harry. You know. But anyway, that's all in the weeks to come. Uh, for now. This has been, I guess, episode number 57 of the Jersey Wall, but the first one on Content Cube, uh, the latest and greatest YouTube channel. Uh, We hope that you enjoyed this week's content. Mina, thanks as always uh, for for coming and chatting footy. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hope you guys enjoyed this content, and we look forward to seeing you in the weeks that follow. Take care. See ya.